Hello everyone and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, a sports podcast from an unlikely pair of fans where we give you the team breakdowns from our individual fandom's perspective, as well as our thoughts on teams across college football. So to all you volunteers and Gamecocks and everyone in between, let's kick off. All right, all you cock and balls, and welcome to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. As always, I am Brian, the Gamecock. And I am Alval Tyler McDaniel. And we are here to bring you the recap of the week one schedule and go ahead and give you a preview of the upcoming week two, as well as we are being joined today by none other than our in-house purchasing agent, our inventory control manager, and fellow college football enthusiast, although she is neither cock nor ball, it will be none other than my sister, Mallory Henry, joining us as a Georgia Bulldog fan, discussing some of the highlights from last year, some of her favorite players, as well as her outlook on the 2023 Georgia Bulldog season. But of course, before we get into that, Let's take a look back at week one. Yes, week one definitely had its uh, share of surprises for a lot of people. Several ranked teams lost, including Clemson, LSU, and last year's national champion runner-up, TCU. The TCU versus Colorado and Coach Prime provide to be the highlight across the college football landscape. Even the other two mentioned teams got their tails handed to them one of the course by evenly matched talent and the other had a major parity in the perceived talent gap really looking at those it seemed that of course uh, LSU playing FSU it was a lot Mm -hmm. closer game Uh, they were ranked number five number eight respectively Um, Looked like it was going to be a a lot tighter game, but of course, FSU, Florida State just manhandled um, LSU. It wasn't even close. Um, Really not a good look for Brian Kelly and the the Bayou Bengal Tigers uh, in any capacity. Um, And then, of course, it, it looked like Clemson versus Duke, or in this case, Duke versus Clemson, um... Seemingly un- insurmountable odds. The, it looked to be no way that that Duke could could even touch Clemson. Uh, but yeah. we we went to bed Monday night, Labor Day night, with with Duke having just mobbed Clemson. Uh, multiple forced fumbles, turnovers, turnover recovery, turnovers turning into points. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was just insane. Um, <laughs> And it also seemed that that my comment, uh, while I don't think any respective players on any of the teams actually heard it, uh, but I alluded to the the statement of how uh, the ACC is is referred to as the All Cupcake Conference. Yes. Uh, But I guess apparently the football gods heard it and decided to have the uh, ACC show up and show out uh, this past Saturday on on what would be opening week for for college football. of course, uh, South Carolina losing to North Carolina. Um, uh, Florida FSU lost, uh, be- beating uh, um, Louisiana mm-hmm. and getting outside of ACC, of course. Uh, Utah uh, beating Florida, University of Florida. Um, 
the Some Eagles, of the SEC baby. teams, yeah, just really didn't really yeah. did not did just not fare not all a, that well. Uh, a good opening week during this first week, um, and hopefully that's not a full fledged indicator of what the entire season is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe the football gods just had a, a moment of wanting to be like. We're 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 gonna yeah a sense of humor if you will yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make you think really hard going into the rest of the season. Considering that we have a lot to cover on the episode, along with bringing in our very first guest to the Cocky Top Podcast, we are going to forego the typical not so football football news. So I mean, not to mention there's not a whole lot that happened uh, outside of football, except for last week we talked about Josh Dobbs being the president of the alumni association alumni association and third string quarterback for the cleveland browns well now he is Got traded the starting to the quarterback to the cardinals for the arizona cardinals yeah kyler what murray a, is what a difference the week has made <laughs> is hurt yeah so they made a trade got josh dobbs in mm-hmm. over to the cardinals Someone who plays very similar yeah to kyler murray so and that's what you want to do i mean you don't want your offense you don't want to bring in like a, a this person plays b style we lost an A style. Uh, we'll just see what happens. No, you want to bring in someone close to their Very similar, style, yeah. So. That way you can hopefully have gelling a lot quicker. So, uh, very excited. Congratulations to Josh Dobbs, and I look forward to see what he does in game one. Yeah, I'm actually excited myself. I mean, just out of curiosity, is it a situation where this turns out to be his opportunity, really? I mean, because he started off with the Steelers, mm-hmm. uh, then, of course, got traded over to the Browns, mm-hmm. um, which was... A really odd move considering the fact the Steelers and the Browns have a, a very rich history yes. in rivalry yes. uh, between those two organizations. And like Tyler said, we are going to be having our first uh, guest on the Cocky Top podcast. And I did allude to it earlier that we are going to be having neither Cock nor Vol uh, with Mallory joining us. She's going to be joining us later. Not only uh, is she an SEC college football and UGA fan, and like I said, she is also Tennessee Legend Distillery's purchasing and general merch distribution manager. And she's also had her hand or brain in this case uh, in helping to conceptualize some of these different podcasts and, and yeah, other outreaches just, yeah, just uh, that we have been. Yeah. My first year, like within the first couple of months that I started working here almost three years ago, we started talking about like, oh, this would be a cool option to kind of a podcast, a also, YouTube series, uh, yeah, uh, uh, different things. Yep, something. So, uh, her and I actually do on our YouTube channel the mixing it up with Mac and Mal, and uh, we are uh, after we record this, we're going to have a special dedicated to Jimmy Buffett, who we recently lost. Luckily, Another reason sleep. for yeah, sad days. Yes. Uh, Saturday for me yes. anyway. Yes, it was a very sad day, uh, but uh, we're definitely excited to have our first guest on the show. Yes, for sure. Now, before we actually get these recaps started, I have to go ahead and get this out of the way. Until the next Battle of the Carolinas happens and South Carolina wins, I am legally, and because you can't see me, I am using quotation fingers, I am legally required to refer to University of North Carolina as Carolina. This is going to be very difficult for me, uh, not as difficult as... Uh, time that the announcers had during the game whenever Jeez. they would say Carolina did this and you're okay which one, which one? They're, they both refer to themselves as Carolina it's but like I'm listening I'm not watching you're gonna have to be really specific right that is that is part of the the bragging rights yeah. for this border rivalry game in the fact that 
whoever does have the most recent dub um, does get to refer to themselves as Carolina or quote unquote the real Carolina. Um, I would love to have as a South Carolina fan. I would love to have a a rivalry game against Cal. Oh, just so that way we could have the the Good battle as opposed to a legal battle that yeah. they technically won um that we could have the battle and then that that would be instead of a trophy that's that's what it is it's the same thing with the battle of the carolinas yeah. it's there's no trophy involved like there is with the the um south carolina versus clemson the the palmetto uh, battle of the palmetto state the palmetto or the uh trophy the palmetto trophy um uh, South Carolina versus Mizzou, uh, the Mayor's Cup, because it's Columbia, South Carolina, and Columbia, Missouri. So it's the the uh, referred to as the Mayor's Cup, and there's actually a trophy that gets passed back and forth. We don't do any of that. We should with Vandy. You should. That's something actually for us or to look into. Kentucky. Are there any we other do kind like of a bluegrass, like the bluegrass game or something along those you know, lines? The Bourbon Bowl or something <laughs> like that. You remember when Bobby Boucher <laughs> came back and the mud dogs were in the bourbon <laughs> ball, do you? But yes, for the next however many days until until the the team in, in baby blue and the garnet black face off again, I have to unfortunately refer to my Gamecocks as Gamecocks or South Carolina. I can't just say Carolina. Um, but getting into that game, because we did lose, uh, it wound up being a final score, 31-17. Gamecocks did lose. Multiple opportunities in that second half. We could have gotten scores and tied the game up, potentially gone into overtime. But unfortunately, as the story was for the entire game, South Carolina's offensive line, be it their positions they were playing, uh, how they were lined up, uh, of course, the injury bug wound up making its way throughout the team, not only during the, the weeks leading up to game one during fall camp, um, but we also lost um, starting linebacker Mokaba in the first series of the game, and we also lost him last year during game two, the Arkansas game, which put him out for the entire season. This one has put him out pretty much for the entire season this year. And it's now a situation where they are probably going to be evaluating, seeing what his options are. It, it may turn into a situation where he's going to have to retire from football, which is, which is an unfortunate thing. And we also lost a starting tackle, starting right tackle. Case and Henry wound up going down. Mm-hmm. So we had to put in true freshman Marky Anderson over on that side, which, of course, I mean, you could see that there was – less than great continuity among the the offensive line uh, for South Carolina. And of course, I mean, from my perspective and from a lot of people's perspectives, that is the glaring uh, deficiency for the team right now. Um, I think the running game could definitely have been a lot better had the blocking been there from the offensive line. Spencer Rattler, however, on the other hand, uh, still managed to go uh, 30 of 39 for 353 passing yards, and that was the entirety of South Carolina's positive net yardage. Um, They played 79 offensive plays for a total of 351 yards. You're probably asking yourself, how could he throw for 353 yards, and you guys only have a grand total of 351 yards? And that is because... Spencer Rattler was sacked nine times for minus 65 yards. And then you couple that with the tackles for loss that 
North Carolina had as well as um, just the not really being able to get any kind of ground game going. We netted negative two rushing yards on the day for that game. So that's how we were able to have 353 passing yards but negative two rushing yards for a grand total of 351 yards on 79 offensive plays for a total of 4.53 yards per play. That sounds great in the fact that if you have 4.53 yards per play, you're looking at basically nine yards per every two plays. You should be able to be getting quite a few first downs. And we actually did. Uh, I want to say that there was 20-plus first downs for South Carolina during that game, which was great. However, we still wound up losing that game. Some other... um, Highlights as far as individual players, uh, of course, we did go with quarterback converted to wide receiver, converted to running back as our RB1, who had 12 rushes for a total of 23 yards and a touchdown, one of the only two touchdowns scored by the Gamecocks on the day. And then Juju McDowell had five carries for a total of minus one yard, but still had a touchdown. Very interesting stats in terms of that stuff. Overall, for the entire team, a total of 31 rushing attempts for 63 yards, which is good enough for right at what would be two yards per carry. However, if it weren't for all of those sacks and everything else, as well as the tackles for loss, the running game still was basically non-existent. Um, Two yards per carry is not going to to do anything on any level uh, for football. Receiving, on the other hand, since our wide receiver one, Antoine Juice Wells, was out for that game, he actually came in for the first series, just wasn't feeling it. Like, he he tried, but he he felt like there was a possibility that he could hurt more than help uh, by continuing to go. So he found himself on the sideline for the remainder of the game. And in his place, wide receiver two, Xavier Leggett, had that awesome kickoff return to start off uh, the Texas A&M game last year. Had a few catches against Tennessee, but for the most part, just really started to break onto the scene. Had had a uh, good bit of problems with um, dropping passes and, and trying to, to turn and run before completely catching the ball in what would have been the first few years of his of his collegiate play here at South Carolina, um, but has definitely stepped into a, a solid wide receiver two spot. Uh, against the Tar Heels, he wound up with nine catches for almost 200 yards, uh, cashed out with 178 yards. As long as we can keep Rattler upright and we have both Wells and Leggett on the field, uh, there's definitely always a possibility of a, a pass going for going the distance. Um, speedy, uh, smaller wide receiver, Amarian Brown, three catches for 44 yards. And believe it or not, the third best receiver on the team was, is the backup quarterback, QB2, in Luke Doty, who had three catches for 41 yards. So, and at one point in time, we did have, and I mentioned this during the preview last week, Spencer Rattler... Luke Doty, and to carry on Joyner on the field at the same time. And we did, but North Carolina was able to read what was potentially going to happen and just blew it up, and they weren't able to, to be able to get anything going from that. But, of course, I mean, Leggett being able to step up 
into a solid wide receiver two spot. It was definitely a highlight uh, and had some really great catches uh, during that game. So definitely excited to see what's going to happen this next week against Furman. Last thing for offense, kind of offense, getting into special teams. Um, Mitch Jeter had uh, was two for two on PATs for the day. Didn't miss any of the point after tries and made his one and only field goal attempt to take the Gamecocks to what would have been the 17 points on the day. But he did recover his own onside kick. He kicked the ball and recovered the onside kick to start the second half, which unfortunately did not turn into points, but was a really good play, and hopefully we'll see something like that again a little bit later here in the season. For South Carolina's defense, leading tacklers being Debo Williams, Jalen Kilgore, DQ Smith, and Stone Blanton, all recording double-digit tackles throughout the game, uh, with all of them, at least 50% of those were solo tackles uh, as opposed to assisted tackles. Um, uh, As far as other defensive plays, DQ Smith with one pass defended, uh, O'Donnell Fortune with one interception for a five-yard return, and Kajuan Banks uh, with one interception for a 17-yard return. Those numbers aren't terrible. No, they're not. Both sides of the ball, they're not terrible numbers. Whenever you look at this, and also the fact that you have two interceptions, Mm -hmm. you were able to recover an onside kick, and all these things happened. That's three things that should have been points. That should have been points, and had South Carolina winning this game, they just resulted in no points because we couldn't keep Spencer Rattler off his his back Mm -hmm. um, during those drives. And like I said, is it that our O-line is just that crappy. I mean, we did lose three starters off the offensive line this last year and then brought in multiple transfers, but I guess the the, the gelling of that group just had not reached the, the potential that it, that it really could have. All in all, I mean, my takeaways from the game, I think that there were quite a few good things. Um, Rattler was on point with his throws, was clean, went an entire game in over 350 yards with no interceptions. And last year, at one point in time, he had more interceptions than touchdowns Mm -hmm. until what would have been the Tennessee and Clemson game. Mm -hmm. And that's something else. I mean, you know that I'm a person who always believes in in balance more so than anything else. Last year, finishing up that last game against Clemson, an ACC team that I need to go ahead and preface with, South Carolina had two interceptions against them. Clemson intercepted the ball twice. One was a pick six. Also had a safety against them in that game, yet were still able to come back and win. In this game against an ACC opponent, the loser of the ACC championship game last year, who played Clemson, we lost to them after we were the ones that had two interceptions. We had the recovered onside kick. It, it's 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 part balance. of that sort of balance thing, man. And balance. I just I, I that also makes me in that thought process somewhat favored for some of the games throughout this season. Oh, yeah. It's got to balance stuff out. And if that's the case, I kind of fear for week five <laughs> going into Neyland. But we know that, that something else could, could be the balance for what that game was last year. Um, all in all, uh, I'm glad that we do have a little bit lesser of an opponent uh, than what North Carolina would have been going into this week two against Furman. 
Um, but before I get into too much of that stuff, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you mm-hmm. so that way you can get everybody up to speed Sweet. on what happened with Tennessee and Virginia this past week. Uh, well, as we said last week, Virginia's f- football in the state of Virginia has been kind of on the back of a milk carton. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Yeah, the, sc- the score reflects that. Uh, yes. Tennessee took the win 49-13. to Volunteers had 212 passing yards and 287 rushing yards. The 85 offensive plays for 499 total yards. That's five, an average of 5.87 yards per play. Yeah, which, two which plays is, and you're getting good. first downs. Yeah, which is what you want to keep it at. Yeah. Joe Milton had uh, 21 for 30, uh, 201 yards thrown. He was only sacked once. Uh, and Nico Amaliva even saw the field. He had two for three with 11 yards, and uh, which I, you know, I said that. You we, said it. I mean, if the score Imaliva. gets there, we're yeah. going to see Amaliva. Yeah. We rushed uh, our rushers. We had Jalen Wright rushing for 12 times for 115 yards. Good Lord. And he was second. He's like, he's RB2. RB2. Yeah. 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 Jabari Small, who is technically RB1, ran 13 rushes for 67 yards. Dylan Sampson, who I barely even name dropped in the episode last week because I was like, oh, you know, he's a young gun. We might see him, you know. 13 rushes for 52 yards and three But three touchdowns. touchdowns. Dylan Sampson said, hey, hi. Yeah. I'm here. For receptions, we had Ramal Keaton, uh, three receptions, 66 yards. Squirrel White, six for 45 yards. Jacob Warren, one for 11 yards and a touchdown. And then Dylan Sampson, also for a reception, one reception for nine yards and a touchdown. Special teams, we had D. Williams, three returns for a totaling of 105 yards, 35-yard average. His long was 55. Yep. That's, now, that's great. That's that special teams, you know. Landon Sam, or not Landon, but uh, Dylan Sampson. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a Sampson on South Carolina. Yeah. His first name is Landon. Uh, wide receiver, hope to see him uh, maybe sometime this year going into what would be next year. Uh, but Dylan Sampson, responsible for four of the seven touchdowns on the night for UT. Mm-hmm. That's insane. And RB3. Like I said, we weren't even – we were barely A receiving about touchdown, three Because we were talking touchdowns. so much about right and small that we, we barely even thought Sampson would – an RB3 Was even would a see thing, it, yeah. You know, I mean um, – That's insane. It's, it's, it's great. Talking a little defensively. Uh, the team did total 60 tackles. Uh, 11 tackles were for a loss. They had four sacks against Virginia and five pass breakups. Uh, so not terrible, but you definitely want to see more defensive numbers than that. It seemed like they were a very cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a lot of individual effort. Um, it, it appeared, because I watched the game, uh, yeah. you were down in Orlando having to attend a convention mm-hmm. uh, that you'll hear about on one of the other Legend Studios podcasts. Um, well, soon to be Legend Studios yeah, podcast. absolutely. I had a great time. Um, and I, I loved keeping up with what you were doing on Legend Studio Facebook. Yeah, it was yeah. it was very very out of the ordinary for me. Um, but I had made some very fun yeah. posts on on Tennessee and on Tyler's behalf, behalf of Tennessee, baby. <laughs> um, during that game, uh, of and specifically referring to Samson. to Dylan yeah. Sampson, it, it was almost like at times he was just him at at 
I'd have to look up his stats as mm-hmm. far as his uh, personal metrics, you know, height, weight, stuff like that. But all of their running backs have been smaller guys. Mm-hmm. It's like he was pushing linemen out of the way. Like he was I, – I, the post that I had made was a picture of biblical Samson, Samson. pushing the pillars down after he had, uh, you know, regained his strength and mm-hmm. stuff from um, Delilah cutting Delilah's his hair. cutting his hair off. And I even mentioned in the post, you know, I wonder if there is a Delilah, uh, a proverbial Delilah for this Samson mm-hmm. uh, in the world of college football for this year. Uh, because it didn't seem like anything could stop him. I mean, he didn't have the yards, but whenever he did break off for a run, it, he wasn't being touched. And like I said, he's pushing people out of the way. So it was it was a great game to watch from that aspect. Again, I can't believe I'm saying this as a as a Gamecock fan, but watching that game, it was it was definitely a fun game to watch, mm-hmm. and it looked like uh, the Volunteers had a good, you know, really good cohesive unit on both offense and defense. I mean, keeping Milton clean from the offensive line and then giving him time to be able to do his thing, only giving up one sack. And they were fighting for a while before that even happened. It mm-hmm. wasn't like it was a quick thing. Yeah, the the protection broke down, but it took it a while it for a while it to, to break, break down. down. Yeah. So, yeah. definitely a lot of a lot of cohesion mm-hmm. from both sides of the ball uh, from the volunteers I wish the same could be said for the Gamecocks defensive line while for the Gamecocks while they weren't actually able to get after Drake May mm-hmm. um, his O-line definitely kept him upright um, we is again a, a lot of youth and inexperience versus a lot of experience and, and age yeah. even though there's only a few years difference it, it helps in, in that world uh, all in all, I mean, of course, a, a, a better outcome and a, and a more happy and positive outcome for you mm-hmm. as a volunteer fan, getting that win over Virginia uh, and starting off the season. Definitely a disappointing loss uh, for me as a Gamecock uh, against a really well-coached and talented roster. Um, I mean, you've yes. got a living, breathing Hall of Fame well, coach in not, Mac honestly, Brown. You played a much harder team than we did. Right. That's, so. that's true. Uh, living Hall of Fame and coach in mm-hmm. Mac Brown, who secured his 100th win with that win Saturday uh, for the University of North Carolina program, which he has coached at. This being now the second time he's been the head coach of that program. Uh, the first time was during Frank Beamer's run mm-hmm. at Virginia Tech. Um, so they were, of course, playing each other in that capacity. And now Mac, of course. Uh, Shane Beamer, in his first season, got the win over Mac Brown after he had made his return to Chapel Hill there mm-hmm. in North Carolina. And then Mac Brown, of course, the beginning of this season, getting his 100th win as coach of University of North Carolina, oddly enough, against uh, his old rival and Frank Beamer's son. Yeah, uh, again, another situation of balance. But, yeah, while it wasn't as, as fun, as a, a, a good of a, an outcome as what you know you got to experience as a volunteer, uh, definitely look at it as a learning experience for the entire mm-hmm. crew, uh, but also uh, have to think that, that there's potentially some some magic there still to be had uh, for the remainder of the season. And who knows, we may be able to go on another good run the rest of the season. Yeah. Still anticipated a couple of losses in there, but well, especially with... Surprise some, someone to make up for that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and you can hopefully them in week three. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it can be a, a, a Georgia surprise. <laughs> um, I know that, that as a Gamecock great. fan, we would love to get a, a win over Mizzou. We have oh, not had yeah. a win over Mizzou in several years. 
Um, Eli Drinkowitz has just has had the Gamecocks number even before he started coaching at Mizzou. So, mm-hmm. um, and then we were losing to Mizzou even before Drink got there. So it's it's yeah. I know that's one that we definitely like to have on there. Um, I venture to say the the game against Florida this year, unless things drastically change for them. Um, while it seems like they have a decent defense, I mean, we'll see how offense goes for the Gators. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the Gamecocks should be able to take care of them. And Kentucky. that'll at least I, – I, I don't I, – 75% of Gamecock fans still say that, Game, or that Kentucky should be a win every year. Mm-hmm. I don't think that. It's Kentucky is no longer a guaranteed dub on anybody's That's schedule. True. That is very true. Um, and all thanks to Stoops for them. Um, if it had not been for him, then yeah. I mean, They'd Kentucky has yeah. has had a history of playing some hard nosed ball, um, but they have not been elevated like they have in quite some time, like they have under Stoops here uh, the last several years. And like I say, I think I mean they had the ten win season mm-hmm. just a couple of years back. Uh, while I don't think that is the the complete apex, um, I think Stoops is going to be afforded more time, just because he has gotten Kentucky to a double digit win mm-hmm. season in recent years, and the people of Kentucky are are they're on board. They're definitely on board with Stoops. I mean, I would make a a, a negative reference <laughs> as to some of those people might be. Uh, putting the meth down and putting their meth money toward football money there um but yeah it's 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 looking good for the the wildcats like i say it's definitely not a team to overlook at any point in time um before we get too far off on a tangent and eat up a whole lot of time for this episode let's go ahead and preview what our next opponents are going to be for south carolina of course we've got in-state Furman. The Furman Paladins, and I absolutely love your acronym whenever you mm-hmm. break down what a paladin and the, the fact of what their their letters mm-hmm. for the university would be. The Christian Knights, the Paladins, the Christian Knights. Um, we'll be playing against Williams Bryce here this next Saturday. It is going to be a night game. Under the lights, baby. Yeah, you know how night games at Williams Bryce can be. Right now, ESPN has them at a 93.2% chance uh, of victory for that game. I am going to go ahead and say this. Um, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Furman is, while they are an FCS team, they are ranked number six in the FCS after this first week. Uh, last year, they had a 10-win season. They are also a, a special teams powerhouse in their own right, leading the nation last year uh, in blocked kicks, uh, which is kind of odd considering South Carolina was, like, number two. So you had two South Carolina teams mm-hmm. uh, at the the tip of the top whenever it comes to that type of stuff. Um, but not only that, they're also really good on defense, causing the uh, highest number of turnovers, um, mostly fumbles more so than anything else so those dudes are hitting hard uh the paladins are are really putting it to people uh causing a lot of fumbles so ball security is definitely something that's going to have to have to uh step up quite a bit um for the gamecocks uh, especially going against this as the nation would probably perceive a lesser opponent but um with the way the gamecocks performed in week one they don't need to take anyone for granted um at any point in time during this year 
period. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much what it's looking like, or that's the opponent for the Gamecocks this week. Um, who's Tennessee got? Well, we got uh, an, an in-state team. Oh, um, we're both in-state. Yeah, yeah playing in-state opponents. Playing in-state opponents. Uh, we've got Austin P, which is an FCS team. Uh, they're the Governors, and uh, they are coming to Neyland, where we have a 99% chance of victory. Uh, there's, there's never a hundred percent chance of victory. I no, never, none of the, none of the, guess. the social analytics, uh, ESPN, Fox Sports, any of those places yeah. on three, whomever. Because uh, there's always that. They're never gonna put a hundred percent chance. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. always those outliers. You know, I, I've, I haven't watched Austin P play personally. I, I don't know much about them. Just the fact that they're from Clarksville. Um, <laughs> And right. I pass by a sign that says Austin P. Anytime I'm going towards Nashville, so. Right. I mean, I, if I, I don't know much about them, all I know is, you know, we should. All, is all, all all all, you know, sources are pointing to we beat the living daylights out of them. Right. And we're wearing our our uh, artful Dodger, uh, gray, attire. Yes, right. it's not the typical smoky gray. Mm-hmm. These are like some new versions yes. of the the smoky grays. Um, you know, I don't like the color orange. Yes. I love oranges, but I don't like the color yes. orange um, for multiple reasons. Mm. Uh, as a Gamecock fan, um, but I will say that those are some really sharp looking uniforms. Um, I like them better than the blackouts. The, the pumpkin unis. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think it's a, definitely a better game to to have something like that with as opposed to um, a bigger game like, I don't know, yeah. wearing orange helmets for the first time in yeah. however many years yeah. sort of thing. Um, so Finding out finally what, what why they call it that. Because uh, when I think of the Artful Dodger, I think of Oliver, you know, Dodger. Uh, the guy who kind of watches over the, the kid who kind of watches over Oliver, right? Um, and you know, and in the in the Oliver and Company animal version, it's the dog who looks over the cat, Oliver. You know, so Dodgers kind right. of this. So, but no, in this Dodger in Tennessee aspect is paying homage to Condridge Holloway, the first yeah. African American. Yes. Uh, quarterback for the University of Tennessee. the Artful not. Dodger. Yeah. Yeah. So we're paying homage to him, uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, I, I think they look pretty, pretty sweet. Uh, I would say you will, you will see a, an increase in these on the, on the, in the store floor on all over the state of Tennessee. These Artful oh, Dodger Oh, for sure. Grays. Especially um, if they do any kind of like uh, – portion of proceeds mm-hmm. goes to another NIL yeah. collective or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Speaking of, I hate it that uh, I mean... Brew didn't get one. Yeah, yeah I, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I personally don't want to see a lot of Tennessee yeah. touchdowns, especially uh, in the Gamecock game. Yeah. However, um, whenever someone is having an, an yeah. AED, uh, a life-saving device donated on their behalf to an organization really in cool. need... Uh, for every touchdown that he gets, I mean, I, I want some touchdowns. I want yeah. some TDs for the yeah. man. Absolutely. So I'd say we'll see some this weekend. I think it's going to play out more of a a slobber knocker, as good old Jr. would say, uh, than against Virginia. I, I don't think Austin P has the 
defense that Virginia did to no. stop us. They don't have the offense to run against us or throw against us. So I think uh, it could quite possibly be a very ugly game for Austin Peay. The game this week is the game that both of us should have had last week. Yes. That tune-up game, that, that exhibition game, that quote-unquote tune-up game mm-hmm. to be able to get ready for week more three. quality opponents. Yeah. Looking at predictions, I'm, I'm going to say uh, – 56 to 3 and I'm a leave a plays the entire second half. You're going the entire second half. Entire second half. I I can I can agree. I can concur with the score. Um I think that yeah, Austin P has enough to where they can get at least in field goal range mm. and, and boot one through. I think you may be selling your volunteers a little short on the score. Uh, I think they might want to try to prove a little bit more of a point. Um, But if they know, if they know that you know they're going to be able to sail with no problem at a certain point, I do agree that I think uh, Nico is going to wind up coming in. I don't, however, feel that it's going to be. The entire second half. The fourth quarter. I, I think it would be, you know, you get out of the third quarter. Yeah. Uh, Milton may play one series in the fourth. But other than that, I think the entire fourth quarter will yeah. wind up being I'm Oliva mm-hmm. uh, just to be able to get as many reps as possible. It's not like there's a red shirt to worry about no. burning or anything like that um, because Milton's going to be gone at the end of this year. I mean, it's his final year of eligibility. So, I mean, if you can go ahead and get some reps for mm-hmm. Imaliva during this year, yeah. then then why not? Yeah. Um, I would love to say that that's going to be the same thing for South Carolina at some point in time this year, but I seriously doubt it. Maybe whenever we hit Jacksonville State late in the year for homecoming, you might see uh, Lenore Sellers out there uh, taking a few reps. But unless something – Unless we just start manhandling uh, Furman this coming mm-hmm. Saturday, like I said, I really don't see an opportunity at any point in time for the year, for us anyway, uh, for uh, um, Lenore Sellers. Honestly, that shouldn't even be the case. I mean, Luke Doty is QB2. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're looking at going ahead and preparing and playing for the future, it would be getting Lenora Sellers out there. So what are some things potentially looking at, respectively, since this is going to be the first home opener, mm-hmm. or the home, oh, I can't say the first home opener, the home opener yeah. uh, for our respective teams for this year because we both played neutral site games, uh, you guys in Nissan Stadium, us in Bank of America Stadium, uh, the the Titans and the the. Uh, Panthers Mm -hmm. uh, home stadiums respectively. Uh, We're going to be heading to Williams-Brice or Neyland Stadium, of course, for this week's game. Um, Anything that you're looking forward to? I look for it to be extra loud. I'm going. uh, Clearly, I've I've talked about uh, in the past that I'm I'm one of the season ticket holders in my family. I have been for years now. Um, I I will be there, uh, you know, barring any Thing crazy. Uh, I'm looking for it to be much louder. Once I run through that tee, it'll be far louder this year than it was at the beginning of last year, which was far louder than the beginning it was the year before. Uh, I look for the crowd to... I, I do not think we will be sold out. Uh, I still think uh, with, the, with the temperature of the game... What time is it? It's a 5 o'clock game. 5? Five, 5? Yeah, it's a 5 o'clock game. 5 o'clock kick? That is very so weird. weird. It's very weird. Austin P wants to make sure they can yeah. get back home they after the game. Home. Yeah, they don't want to <laughs> stay the night. Yeah, they don't want to stay in Knoxville for the night. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go to the Marriott after this. 
we will be under the lights for at least the last half. Okay. Uh, which is great. N- nailing under the lights these days is a lot of fun. There is a little bit of me who, who the kid that grew up going to Neyland, the traditionalist in me, sometimes misses those old, like, before there was piped-in music, before the flashy lights, you know, it was just those lights. Those were the only lights that you played under. But now there's all these NFL You got the LEDs, you've got the, like the colored wash lights and yeah. stuff like that. It's like you're at a WrestleMania or, or a pro football game, but... But it's I, still enjoyable. It's, I can, it's going to be exciting. I can understand the fact that the, the, the school is trying to, I guess, air quotes that you can't see, um, justify yeah. um, the prices that, that gets charged for tickets, yeah. uh, for season pass tickets, is, is increasing and bettering the experience uh, that people have while they are there because, mm-hmm. yes, they are going into this open air in in I want to say all I don't think that there's any climate controlled collegiate stadiums is there I don't think so yeah there's no there's no college domes no no yeah no not college domes yeah so I mean it's a situation where September you're still going to be out in the heat yes um, referencing back to the the Colorado TCU game they were playing in Texas Oof. for a noon kickoff. In over a hundred degree heat, and freak Travis Hunter plays both offense and defense. Plays over a hundred snaps during the game. Has ten, eleven catches for two hundred something yards, mm-hmm. and then uh, has multiple pass breakups and an interception on defense. And then they talk to him after the game, and he's like, "Nah, man, we let's go set it up. Let's play another one." Nice job. What? Seriously, and, and, and like I said, just anything and everything that they can do to try mm-hmm. to make that experience better because they know people are going to be standing in those long lines waiting for the restroom, waiting to get a, a drink, waiting to get a $20 beer, waiting to get, Ugh. you know, yeah, whatever the case may be, and then sitting in all the sweltering heat. On top of each with, other. Yeah, and, and kneeling. God, mm-hmm. over 100,000 people jam-packed in, shoulder to shoulder, sometimes people sitting somewhat sideways on their shoulders with their hips <laughs> straight just to be able to you're in my seat right so I know you're a bigger guy but technically you're in my seat you're, you're in 22 you're bro two seats you need <laughs> yeah, to you need seats. to figure it out something um as far as for us like i mentioned last week we are going to be getting a new entrance for cocky i don't think they're doing anything really to to change up what would be the team entrance it's still yeah. going to be 2001 that's going to be playing um but i'm not entirely sure what's going to change as far as cocky's entrance mm-hmm. for that but it's supposed to be something different so that's one of the things that i'm going to be looking for um with it being back at home of course the uh sandstorm being played the the what you don't get to see on tv but of course the the hype video that gets yeah. played on the the Titan Tron or whatever um, before everything really gets started. Uh, and that's something that you have to go to those stadiums to be able to experience because I don't care which stadium you go to, they all have that type of experience. Yeah. You're going to hear either an audio or see a video that is a hype video for that game or just for that team to, to get everybody into a frenzy. And, of course, it being... Saturday night, Williams Bryce Stadium, mm-hmm. all kinds of 
craziness will go down uh going back to um um the if it ain't sway and we ain't playing yeah i mean you know there's there's a lot of stuff to look forward to and i and i'm like you i mean it being the first home opener even though we did lose uh i think the gamecock faithful are going to show up and show out uh, yes. again i like you i don't think it's going to be a full stadium um while we have twenty thousand less uh, I think to try to fill still, in they're going to wait it out they're sort of going to be there you know so. let's let it cool down a little bit a little you know, bit more after this home game we go to the swamp that's another week of not having to be in hot temperatures because it's away. So maybe by week four, right? People will start filling the seats in. Uh, they'll they'll definitely wait for it to cool down. Most ticket goers uh, are in the uh, older age brackets uh, these days. So oh yeah, getting into the fifty five yeah. and up crowd. So uh, they'll wait till it cools down and after what we do with Florida. You had already mentioned it, 56-3, to three, uh, what your thoughts were um, for the volunteers over the governors. I'm going to go ahead and bump it up. I'm going to say we see another 70-point game okay. out of a team this week. Uh, I think that they're going to 70-plus to, to three um, in this one uh, for the Gamecocks against uh, what would be Furman. I've actually got the exact same score as what the – UNC, oh, but USC game was, but us, of course, beating Furman 31-17. Just because I think that while it is FCS competition, I think that Furman is going to want to try to make a statement mm-hmm. as much as they possibly can. Um, and while we do have some injuries, we do have a little lack of depth in certain positions. I think the positions that matter uh, or that will matter for this game, we will have the depth and talent there but of course my main thing is is going to be watching to see how that o-line is going to play so those those are those are my main things is how's the o-line going to play are they going to be able to keep spencer rattler upright are we going to see some cohesiveness from the offensive line uh from the gamecocks in this game and of course like i said with it being the the home opener for the season what is that new entrance for cocky going to look like i'm actually going to say for you all 35 10 South okay Carolina. i i definitely appreciate the yeah. the the uh um i'm gonna say that they want to make a statement but they don't like the game are, are, are are gonna be like okay yeah we we lost this first one we're gonna we're gonna let everybody know that 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 really wasn't supposed to happen mm-hmm. that's not how it was supposed to be but we're not going to tip our hat or tip yeah. our hand as far as what could be mm. for the remainder of this year. I like that. I like I like hearing something like that coming from a. a here's here's the air quotations again. A, an enemy, quote unquote enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for that. So, but yeah, um, that's not all, guys. We are actually going to step away for just a few moments. Let mm. you hear uh, from one of our our partners, our friends here around uh, the distillery and whenever we come back we are going to be speaking with uh, Mallory uh, the resident dog fan I'm not going to tell you yes or no that there may or may not be some barking going on hopefully not Uh, I know Tyler you're not a huge fan of the the UGA barks Um, it's okay coming from a little bit younger person but like you said whenever someone that's 60 70 plus should not be barking at you 
Um, she's going to be joining us, telling us, uh, talking to us a little bit of uh, dog football, her thoughts on what would be the back-to-back championships, mm-hmm. uh, what would be the third championship for University of Georgia at this mm-hmm. point, uh, one all the way back in 1980, and then, of course, like I said, the recent back-to-back championships, and then sharing, like I said, with her thoughts about the season, uh, favorite players, some highlights, things like that. Um, but, yeah, we'll take a break, and we'll get back and – We'll be talking with Mal. This portion of the Cocky Top Podcast is brought to you by the Gatlinburg Brewing Company. With 16 craft beers on tap and brick fire oven craft pizzas, GBC is the place to be in Sevier County. Gatlinburg Brewing Company has two locations to visit, one on the strip of Gatlinburg and one at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway beside Tennessee Legend Distillery. When you stop in, tell them you heard about them on the Cocky Top Podcast from Legend Studios. Enjoy, and cheers to you, Legends. All right, guys, welcome back. And like we said earlier, today we are going to be having our first guest of the Cocky Top Podcast. Neither cock nor vol. We actually have a dog fan in the house don't worry we've covered everything we're not gonna let them pee on anything i'm house broke if that counts for anything (laughs) and we might allow a little bit of barking but that remains to be seen but as our first guest uh we thought it only appropriate that we brought in not only one of the people who helped somewhat conceptualize another means of reaching uh, uh, potential listeners, followers, stuff like that, um, but also our resident inventory control specialist, uh, uh, purchasing agent, all of that good stuff. Mallory, Mallory, how are you today? I am doing all right, guys. How are we doing today? We're uh, tired. Yes. Um, as far as the sports world is concerned, I'm probably nowhere near as good as the two of you all are. However, it's we. Early. We can, we can hope that, that things definitely turn around and, and change for the better. But to put it to you, I don't think too many things can get better in the world of, of college athletics, specifically football, as a UGA fan coming off of uh, back-to-back national titles, three altogether, the one back in 1980, and then, of course, the two here recently, the 2021-2022 seasons. Let's actually just start it off there. Uh, how do you feel about having won back-to-back national titles? I mean, it took us a minute to go for number two and then to hit number three right there after. I mean, that's a fantastic feeling. We're going to hope to go for a third consecutive, making for number four in total. I mean, that's I'm pretty sure that's always everybody's hopes and dreams when it comes to their team. Which um, no one's three-peated, so I mean... I mean, it'll be a first time if it happens. I mean... But if not... Speaking of barking, God forbid, it does happen to be a three-peat, and the barking will I'll never stop. I'll take a stop. week off. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I did good after one. I did good after two. So, I mean, you have to allow me a little bark and brag time if we do get that third one in a row. I, I think I can allow it, especially since you're related, or we're related. Uh, T-Mac, on the other hand, as the vol, I don't think yeah, that's going to... He's still going to take the week off. I don't even have PTO left, and I'll take the week off. <laughs> He's like, I'll just, take it. I'll just eat the hours. It's fine. I don't need it that bad. 
Yeah, just the fact of coming off the back-to-back wins um, with that type of performance throughout the season, throughout the year, um, you are going to wind up losing quite a few people mm-hmm. to the draft and stuff like that. Yeah, and the people that don't wind up going to the draft and just have ex- extinguished their their eligibility, you wind up losing quite a bit. But um, Georgia seems to have taken up the mantle, especially for the East, as the we're just reloading. Yeah. yeah. Like they, 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 they don't, don't really run out. They're just reloading. Yeah. Just bringing yeah. somebody else to there, the there's always There's always two to three players deep at any given position to be able to step up into those places. So after seeing the first week of games, your all's first game, what would have been against UT Martin, yeah. one of the many lesser UTs <laughs> that are out there in the, in the college football landscape. UT Martin, UTC, University of Texas, you know, those lesser UTs. <laughs> I see what Not you did there. I see no. what you did there. You put the the satellite campuses of of yeah. University of Tennessee ahead yeah. of Texas. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, looking at that stuff, um, how do you feel about about what this season may hold? I mean, hopes are high. You know, losing losing Bennett is obviously kind of like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? Where are we going to go from this point? But I mean, well, I mean, whenever you're almost thirty years old, you can't rightly play college anymore. You know, true. That, that'd be true. like me going to college and just being like, hey, I'm a freshman. I've tried. You're <laughs> in your mid thirties. That's not that's not how it works. Right. Um, but no, I mean, we saw some some obviously start of the season first game nerves. There were a few passes that were questionable side but it's it it looks good it seems like there's really good communication between players great leadership coming from some of the older players stepping up and really kind of coaching both on and off the field so it's 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 really it looks really good i'm i'm hopeful Mm. few players to watch out for i mean bowers just like last year i mean he's he's going to be the player to watch he's a force I am constantly reminded of the the one play from last year where he's covered. Mm. It seems like there's going to be an interception. The defender bobbles the ball. He's not even paying attention. Bowers isn't even paying attention, but manages to, to catch a quick glimpse, turns around, sees that the ball's up in the air, catches it behind his back, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. gets turned around, and then... I think everybody gone. at that point, himself included, was like, how did that just happen? Oh, you see, the if you watch the clip to where it shows the, the little bit of distance and you can see the sideline, the Georgia sideline, whenever that mm-hmm. happens, I mean, it's like you see him start to shrug as the, the ball is like seemingly going toward the ground, but it gets popped up and then the eyes just They're go from the, the size of, of pencil lead to it's like a to a size saucer. of a saucer. Like Roadrunner Wild Coyote moment. Right, just yeah. bring and then just the the you can physically see the the energy and the excitement start from what would be the ground, go up through their mm-hmm. their feet, legs, and then yeah, eventually everything. them just like leaping up into the to the air after after that miraculous catch, but but yeah, definitely agree in the fact that that Brock Bowers is is definitely a name on on everybody's list, especially not only in the state of Georgia, but really all across the country. Yeah, as someone to always be on the Keep lookout for. Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, what about the running back room? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm a fan 
of some of the former running backs. Oh yeah, I remember the days where you talking about being a girly girl. Being a girly girl, I will always be a girly girl. That will never ever change. Also a big Nick Chubb fan. Mm. I, I, I love to watch him run a ball. Like that's mm-hmm. I think that's my favorite part of football is just seeing that catch and then just a takeoff, man. Like it's it, it's exhilarating. A lot of fantasy players are Nick Chubb fans now. Oh, absolutely. He's on my fantasy roster, so I really can't say Well, one of those people, or people, one of those types of running backs specifically, um, and that's something that you see a lot more of, a dual threat running back, someone who Mm -hmm. can not only be handed the ball and be able to find those openings and or make their own way through through a defense and then be able to gain some yardage, uh, but also being able to catch a pass Mm -hmm. out of the backfield or – a screen pass, a bubble pass, whatever the catch case may be, and then be able to turn it into some serious yardage because they do have that quick twitchness to to be able to elude defenders yeah. and, and turn it into some positive yardage. Who else we need to look for? Um, I'm curious to see what Muse is going to do. Number 87, Makai Muse. That guy, he's little. He's, he's like 5'8", 180, 185 pounds, but the guy is lightning once he's let go. Uh, something else that we kind of wanted to, to pick your brain about is is just being in the SEC East right now, how you think things are looking. I mean, the fact that one of your all's, I guess, bigger challenges last year, considering that y'all still went undefeated, um, but Tennessee being able to score quite a few points in comparison yeah, uh, on mm-hmm. Georgia. Um, and then, of course, uh, you guys – having a real nail-biter with Ohio State in the playoffs before getting to that national championship game. Yeah. I was for Georgia in that game. I hate Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> the one time the I orange and white so got much. shedded, or didn't really get shed, but you wound up putting on the cover-up of the red and black. Well, you know, I just kind of said, let's Choose go. Choose the, the better right. of the reds at that point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Funny you mentioned that because at uh, one point in time here during the preseason, there was a bold prediction made on one of mine and Tyler's uh, favorite shows, uh, YouTube shows, podcasts, uh, dealing with college athletics. Um, someone made the bold prediction that the entire playoff pitcher for this year was going to be made up of entirely teams with red as their dominant color. Georgia, Bama. Ohio State. Ohio State. I mean, you've got a few others that are kind of in that realm. Wisconsin? Wisconsin was another one, yep. The West Coast USC. Oh, the other USC. Yep, they've got red in theirs as a predominant color. Uh, Florida State, predominantly red. Look, it's a scary color when it's coming your way. Mm-hmm. I don't care what shade Louisville? it is. No. Even though the ACC did kind of dominate this last weekend. We, we did. I still have to, you know, relive all of that <laughs> for the remainder of the podcast. So the, I don't want to get in too much yeah. of it too early. Yeah, we just we we jump to judgment, right? And and with it being week one games, I mean, there is still definitely a lot of oh. a lot of football left to be played, a lot of improvements that can be made, and a lot of things to still happen. Um, I'm almost kind of getting that 2017. Vibe, where nothing made any sense whatsoever in the world of college football. Yeah, which is kind of why I I have this feeling, even though South Carolina lost to UNC in this first game to North Carolina, 
there might be a possibility that we still have the potential for a, a bigger upset at some point in time, and maybe even early this year. And yes, I hope I'm, it's your game three. I'm kind of looking over at you now, Mallory. <laughs> I hope it ain't us. I hope you've already upset us once. I hope it's game three for you. <laughs> well, considering the only other real, we started off with. University of North Carolina. Yeah. Then we have Furman in state uh-huh. competition, which is currently ranked number six FCS. Mm-hmm. Then we have Georgia. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a fun in Athens. Year. Then we have Mississippi State mm-hmm. at home. Then we have mm-hmm. Tennessee in, in Neyland. So yeah, the next I, few weeks are. I, I may or they're crucial for you. Yeah. This podcast <laughs> might be over in a few weeks. You might be like, you know what? I don't want to talk anymore. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> while while the, the fan in me definitely would have that mentality and something I kind of battled with throughout this week anyway with listening to recaps and mm. stuff like that and listening to the podcast that I normally would listen to, even like South Carolina stuff, I yeah. it wasn't until yesterday that I was able to start kind of listening to some of that stuff again just because it's, you know, yeah. it's pretty fresh. You went through the entire offseason getting hyped up uh, only to, you know, have something like this happen. But as, like I alluded to earlier, uh, one of our favorite personalities had said that this is going to be a look-back game. In a month, this is a look-back game. Yeah, We're going to look back and see was, you know, that just a, a – was North Carolina or is North Carolina actually that good? and going to be able to make a run mm-hmm. or is it a situation to where maybe they weren't that good and South Carolina just had a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. sort of thing yeah. but I mean we'll just have to see getting off of that of course getting back to our guest what are some other things that you're mainly looking forward to this season is there anyone that that may be an under the radar person or or anything like that 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 as you've looked through over the last couple of days, trying to get yourself refreshed, trying to get yourself more familiar with the team, that that really stands out. I mean, yeah, you've got Carson Beck that is is trying to fill the the shoes of a two-time back-to-back yeah, national that, championship that quarterback. It's just a huge like wait it out and really see what's going to happen because I mean, you had Bennett, you had Murray, which Murray didn't take home any titles. He didn't get any wins as far as at the end of the day. Right. But he was still great in the spot that he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, then said Bennett, not once but twice. He's got two rings to take home. Beck, he's been playing for the team. He's This is his third year. He's a junior. Right. Um, so it's 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 – he wants it. He's, he's earned the spot. I feel like Coach is really just – He's reading his players a little more in depth, trying to spend a little more one-on-one time with each of his players, not just your key players, your starters. He's spending time with everybody. So Referring really, to Kirby. Yeah, mm. sorry. Kirby yes, Smart. Sir. Okay. Kirby Smart. Yes, sir. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to see how just how that overall team camaraderie on top of, you know, Smart being involved in everything, how that's going to play out maybe a little better this year than it has in years past. Um, as far as any one specific person right this minute, no, I really don't have – I don't have too much. I'm, I'm really looking at these guys just to see how they're going to play out. Now, as the season progresses, I'm sure there's going to be somebody that I'm like, how did I not notice this guy before? How did I not really see the talent that has yet to be unleashed on the field? 
Right, and it is a situation where the last several years y'all have had those older players, people that have been graduate seniors or seniors, uh, redshirt uh, uh, juniors, mm-hmm. redshirt seniors, whatever the case may be, they were definitely older players. Oh, yeah. And now you're starting to see year, yeah, so. a lot more of the, the younger that may have been there for the last two years, but they've been either on practice squad or been part of the three deep, four deep, whatever the case may be, yeah. um, and are now finally getting their opportunity. Like we had said earlier, rebuild. They don't rebuild, they just reload. Yeah, It, it popped rebuild, into mind. Reload, it's yeah. not a rebuilding, it's a reloading. And yeah, Georgia has now reached the, that level once again Yeah, after a 40-year hiatus yeah. um, to where they are just reloading as mm-hmm. opposed to rebuilding. Like you and I have had to experience, you know, Hypel coming in and be able to to right the ship relatively quickly, uh, yeah. where of course it seems like Beamer is yeah. is taking a little bit more time, but maybe it'll be a really good solid foundation for a program that needs a more solid foundation. Mm. I've I've heard a lot of the uh, assimilations um, trying to to put Beamer and Butch Jones in the same category. From that's a lot rude, of people. That's rude to Beamer. <laughs> for, and this is, of course, from a lot of, of Tennessee fans. Yeah. They want to, to make a lot of those correlations. I would. In terms of how they were trying to build stuff, I, I, or I, I think that, that Butch Jones was trying to go about it the correct way, but mm. the alumni and the fan base didn't want to give him the time. We didn't have, to be able to do yeah. so. I'll be the first to say that we, we didn't, in our eyes, we didn't have the time. We right. Want, we wanted it. Then and and that's, a, and that's a result, unfortunately, of, of instant gratification yes. that we've we've been privy to the last 15, 20 years with social media, internet, yeah, all that now. stuff. Absolutely. Everybody wants it, and they want it right now. It doesn't matter what it yeah, is. Yeah, we, we want a championship tomorrow. I, I am probably. Like some Tennesseans, since we won the last game, our first game. Some Tennessee fans are like, all right, we're the best. We yeah. could end the season right now. We're the best. Yeah. <laughs> no more games. No more I, games. <laughs> I am going to I'm going to openly say this is going to be my first quote unquote hot take. Oh no. I'm going to do a comparison, an assimilation, if you will. Okay. With Hypel. And I'm going to compare him to Spurrier. Oh. Oh. Hey, it's all football coach, man. I'll take that. And 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 I'm going to be more specific to Spurrier's run with South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Heupel is achieving that in what seems to be a quicker time span. But I fear for the fact that if at any point in time any kind of parity happens in any capacity whatsoever, he's going to get run out. Oh, or, yeah. or he's going to find an offer somewhere else. It'll be... Well, his all it'll be Oklahoma. About to join the SEC, yeah, it'll be Oklahoma so. knocking at the door as opposed yeah. to like Florida for Spurrier wanting yeah. him to come back and or him just being you know I'm done with it. Yeah, you know I proved that I can go multiple places and turn them into championship teams. caliber yeah. teams regardless. But I guess my reference was was the fact that Spurrier in nine seasons, eight nine seasons, mm-hmm. uh, first couple of seasons it was a slow start. Um, but was able to get them to that apex of what Carolina, South Carolina football is. 
um, in those 11-win seasons, uh, three 11-win seasons back-to-back. And I think, like I said, that something similar is happening with Tennessee, albeit you had just the one quick one in that first year. And then in the second year, you're already an 11-win team. Well, that next step can't be what happened with Spurrier. Right. And the South Carolina base. It can't be like, all right, we had really good two or three seasons. Now let's settle. Right. Hopefully he's he's. I don't think that he's going to settle, uh, especially with his recruiting. Um, especially if we go another eleven, you know, twelve and one, eleven and two season with a bowl game win this year. I think it's only going to. And the thing that shocked me about that South Carolina team is it. It didn't. Like that would have made me want to go to South Carolina. Right. Be like, look what Spurrier's doing. They've had two 11-2 seasons. I want to be part of the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth. Right. For some reason, people still didn't flock. They like started they to, would. They started to, and it was just before you got into what would be the portal era. Yes. Of course. Um, but it, I think had they, had they continued with who was the interim coach after that year, as opposed to hiring Will Muschamp, Ugh. we'd be singing a completely different story. Speaking of Muschamp, oh yeah. Considering the fact that he is still co-assistant defensive coordinator for the University of Georgia, yes, he and is. I have my conspiracy theories concerning him as well as a couple of other coaches that are now uh, all part of the Georgia f- football staff, <laughs> which I'm not going to oh, fully yeah, get into. Conspiracy, yeah. Thoughts on what the offense is capable of under Mike Bobo with or being at the helm of Georgia's offense this year, being a bit more old-school-minded offensive coordinator. Uh, And then, of course, Coach Boom, uh, Will Muschamp, both of them being back at – and Kirby Smart, you know, your head coach, your OC and DC, uh, all back at their alma mater. That's something that you really – don't see a ton it's not something that you see but i think that just goes to show the the love and the dedication to the program right now i mean i i personally don't know any of them so i can't say if there's some kind of ulterior motive back behind it (laughs) um (laughs) i can't say say one way or another on that but i mean honestly i think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I, I hope it's a good thing. I want it to be a good thing. They're familiar with the program. They're familiar with how things work. But they also have stepped out and experienced other schools, other teams, so that maybe they can take that, that knowledge, that power, and, and harness it for the, the forces of good. <laughs> the forces of good. <laughs> That's so, a perspective. For me, it is definitely the powers of good. For other people, maybe not so much. I mean, and it's not Bobo's first go around with coaching for this team. Well, obviously this team, but for the school. Right. So, I mean, to, to have him step away and then to come back and be like, no, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, it's, it's, mm. a, it's a, little, a little glimmer of what could be. Well, I will definitely say this. If he continues his mo um there's definitely going to be a lot of power run power run game uh someone who definitely still likes to use the i formation mm-hmm. uh, at times um we actually had at south carolina under mike bobo <laughs> as the oc and and must champ as the head coach 
uh, before that abysmal 2020 season, which of course ultimately led to Will Muschamp's firing and Mike Bobo becoming the head coach <laughs> for the last few games uh, of that season, uh, which we wound up going two and eight because it was the the conference only season, of course, the oh, COVID yeah. year, <clears throat> where only uh, ten games were played there in the SEC. We had the leading rusher in the SEC in Kevin Harris now playing for the Patriots mm-hmm. um, running split, behind that that with, uh, with Big Zeke now yep running behind that formation actually having a a fullback style player which is is very non-commonplace mm-hmm. uh, in in college football anymore so you guys had UT Martin to begin with game one week one Everything turned out fine. Was able to get some of the kinks worked out. Got the bugs taken care of. Mm. Hopefully, for, for the for most part, the most part yeah. uh, got some good gelling going on. Yeah. Uh, getting getting everybody on the right page. Yeah. Uh, definitely good to have one of those types of tune-up games. Um, fortunately, you guys are going to be able to have another one this week, uh, going up against the Ball State Cardinals. What are your thoughts on that game? And it's a noon kickoff, and that will be in in Athens. Well, I mean, honestly. Feel bad for Ball State. I mean, playing there in Athens, I, I feel bad for anybody that goes to that stadium. I mean, it's it's loud. It's crazy. Like, that alone, just knowing that you're going to be in that stadium is enough to put anybody, any player in a, oh, my gosh, kind of mindset. But, I mean, after watching some of the highlights and going back and watching week one, I, I don't – I don't think it's a bad idea for us to have a little bit more fine-tuning going into week two, give us another chance to just kind of, yeah. this is what we did, this is what we should have done, let's let's take that, let's apply it and see where that gets us. And then going in from, from there, hopefully we can get the rest of those few little kinks and quirks worked out. Well, I think the thing about all three of our teams uh, – Balls, Gamecocks, or Bulldogs is week three is is each team's. I mean, you two are playing each other, yeah. right? And we're playing Florida, so week three for all three of our teams is the okay. This is where we'll really start making judgments. Yeah, this is where the hammer is going to start really yeah. coming down and seeing like, is this is this how we're going to play? Is this how this season is going to go? Do we what are we going to do from this point? Mm. And that just kind of goes back to what I was saying about looking at the week one game as looking back and saying, you know, for me, South yeah. Carolina, even though we did lose, uh, the offensive line played abysmally. Is there something that can be done? Or was the offensive line doing fairly okay? Just, just North better. Carolina's defensive line yeah. was just that much better. Yeah. Um, and that is something that we will have to see, of course. We do have what would be our tune-up game. Uh, in Furman this week before we do take on Georgia next mm. week right? or yeah. the following week. Um, we have you with the Vols have got a tune-up game than Virginia was. Yeah, uh, Virginia as as what would have been you know FBS Power Five competition, mm-hmm. uh, we're able to dispatch of them very handedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we had we had alluded to uh, um, football in the state of Virginia pretty much being on oh, a milk yeah. carton the last several years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The fact that you're going now to play some FCS competition mm-hmm. um, in Austin P, the Austin P Governors, uh, this week, of course, definitely going to be a lot more of what would be one of those tune-up games. 
And as much as I'd like to say it, I think I would like to think that would be the case for South Carolina, but I don't think so. I think that's going to be another ironing, iron sharpening iron yeah. sort of game, even though it is a perceived lower class of competition because it is between FBS, FCS, but the Paladins, like I said earlier, are ranked number six in the FCS this year, top ten, mm-hmm. and we've seen App State, we've seen other teams that are part of the FCS come in at, well, no, uh, App State is now uh, uh, FBS. Yes, um, FBS. But they're, they're uh, completely different, and it's yeah. not any of the, the Power Five. They're not Power Five uh, uh, teams have come in and yeah. and just demolished. I mean, South Carolina's been a victim of App State. Saturday. Uh, UT's been a, a, a victim of App State. Bama was a victim. Michigan, yeah. a victim of App State. I mean, so that type of stuff really doesn't matter. Um, like you say, any given Saturday, anything can happen. Um, and I hope that we have, of course, a repeat of 2019 in Athens this year would be fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't foresee that happening, but, you know, anything can happen. Uh, but hopefully, like I say, South Carolina can, can right the ship in several aspects yeah. uh, during this game against Furman with a little, little less competition than, yeah. than you know, what we started off with out of the gate uh, facing a ranked opponent in mm-hmm. North Carolina. Um, and then, of course, now getting ready to face the following week, um, week after next, in top-ranked Georgia. <laughs> We're starting our season playing the uh, number, what was it, 21-ranked mm-hmm. North Carolina Tar Heels. Mm-hmm. Going to be playing the number six FCS-ranked yeah. Furman Paladins. Then playing the number one-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. And depending on how the polls go the following week, we'll be playing the potentially then-ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs and then playing the top ten-ranked Tennessee Volunteers in what will be our first five games of the season. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't... We always have a top five, top ten, toughest schedule in the country Mm -hmm. routinely, and this is why I said in one of our first episodes of the Cocky Top podcast or my argument whenever someone says why do you root for South Carolina because we can relish so much more in those bigger victories oh, yeah. whenever they happen because it's something that doesn't happen all that often mm-hmm. but regardless of whether the win happens or not damn it you know that you went into Williams Bryce and you know you played against the Gamecocks team that that fought with that, that yeah. ferocity and tenaciousness um, that that gave them their their namesake after being named, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, from from Thomas Sumter. So, uh, Mallory, is there anything else that that you feel that we should know about the Bulldogs going into this season? I mean, other than I'm sure you're probably like just watch out whenever it's our week to play because I mean, we're coming in here and we're going to be barking, <laughs> oh, yeah. saying put the ball down. That, that what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say innocence. It's not. It's not it. That, that freshness on the on the field is really I gotcha. be our biggest asset and youth. not our biggest. Yes, youth. The youth. There we go. I hope the youthfulness. 
biggest asset versus our biggest hindrance? Because sometimes when you see, I know you've seen it with UT, mm. you bring a lot of fresh faces on the field at one time, and it's like trying to get two-year-olds to play yeah. college ball. Absolutely. Like you, you might even have better chances with the two-year-olds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially mean, personalities, NIL, yeah, yes. all of that type of stuff. So, um, like I said, I'm really hoping that that's going to be an asset and not a hindrance for us. Bring it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're just ready to see what happens. I absolutely, I'm ready to see how it's gonna, how everything's gonna play out. Heck yeah! You know what's crazy to think is some of these freshmen and sophomore and even juniors that are playing now, like some of their high school years were COVID years, and yeah, like absolutely. oh, not they only they were at home a lot, they were online a lot. Yeah, so. they, were, they weren't even on the field. Yeah, they weren't they on the were field. On the team, they didn't get to play a lot of football. At right that time for the, for them, especially twenty twenty junior and senior in high school, like they weren't playing football. The fact that, that that you bring that point up, we have seen a lot more with Bennett with several players on uh, South Carolina's team. Um, I don't think as many, uh, except maybe the center who's out right now for UT. Yeah, um, that were able to take advantage of having that additional COVID year. Mm-hmm. Um, that regardless of whether the sport was played or not, everybody was granted an additional year yeah. of eligibility um, to be able to play. So you've got six-year seniors, seven-year mm-hmm. seniors that have been in at that college for <laughs> almost a decade yeah. um, being able to play ball, further their education and stuff like that because of it. Uh, but now you're going to go back to seeing four to yeah. six years as the maximum as the maximum yeah, we'll start for someone because you're going to have regular yeah uh you're going to have people who have the the skills and ability that they're going to graduate as a, a senior from high school or in some cases even as a junior from high school at the age of 16 17 years old mm-hmm. and and be able to take it to the collegiate level mm-hmm. uh, and be able to play within a year or two and then they get two years three years of college under their belt and then they're eligible for the nfl draft at that point yeah and you've got people going in the draft at 20 21 years old which is unheard of uh it seems like but the old saying build a better mousetrap yeah mouse is just going to get smarter yeah it's situation like this i mean you get an athlete who had who was not peaking until you know 25 to 28 years old in some aspects especially with these types of skilled positions, wide receivers, cornerbacks, uh, uh, stuff like that, quarterbacks specifically, mm-hmm. uh, being able to be, of course, students, full-on students of the game. Um, but now you're seeing seven, eight years ahead, uh, quote-unquote, ahead of schedule um, that people are, are getting into what their stride would be. Um, a lot of people going into the league earlier and retiring earlier. Yes. So I wonder if in the next 20 years you're going to see – you know, people retiring from the sport. I mean, we see it now anyway, but people retiring before they even hit the age of 25 to 30 years old and kind of be set for life yeah. because uh, with NIL, they started making money at 15, 16 yeah. years old. So, well, Mallory, we definitely want to thank you for joining us, being our first guest here on the Cocky Top Podcast. Like I said, she's neither cock nor vol. This is Mallory, the dog, uh, that has joined us here for this first episode. Again, Mallory, thanks for coming on and hanging out with us. Hey, thank uh, you for having me. We're definitely going to look forward to having some more guests and, 
and maybe we'll bring you back on uh, after mid-season, see how things are going, see if there's been any kind of... Yeah. Come back. So, oh, she's going ahead and calling it now. All right, yeah, before we get you out of here, um, do you think, I mean, in your heart of hearts, do you believe that Georgia will be able to three-peat, be the first ever in history to, to Look, three-peat national champion? It's still early for... If, Basing it strictly off of game one, preseason and coming into game one, do I think it's a possibility? Yeah. Do I know that it's a high probability? Eh, only. Without, only. without your – so – All bias aside. So, so we, have, we have Garnet glasses. He has the Vogels. What, what, is, what is George's <laughs> – like rose-colored glass. Do- doggles? The doggles. Doggles. I mean, dogs are supposed to be colorblind, yeah, so that's a colorblind. that's a that's an impaired vision. So yeah. I mean, okay. All biases. So you can't see any red L's. It's all green dubs. Exactly. Um, no, all bias aside, like I think the potential is there. Um, okay. So all right, removing removing the doggles. What is your season prediction? Are you predicting a? A 12 and 0 regular season with a 13th win, setting up what would be the national championship for a possible 14, or are you saying 12 and 1? Is there an upset? Uh, 13 and like, no, 13 and like 1. Potential. I feel like there's a potential upset. Um, going back to one of my favorite games, uh, versus UT at Neyland Stadium. That was that was my first Georgia game. 2013. I've been a fan my entire life. That was my first actual like been there, seen it. Over in Neyland. Over yeah. in Neyland, okay. which is an awkward place to be when you're <laughs> the only one wearing red and a sea of orange. Um, which I know that feeling as well. <laughs> going into a double OT. Yeah. Okay. Double OT. Like I thought I was gonna die in the stands. Like I was not. This sure. isn't the Hail Mary, is it? No. No. That this was, was that the Georgia. Punt. Oh, okay. Now, Hail Mary was at Sanford. No, this was this was the punt that last literal last second punt to take home the W. Yeah. Like I remember, like blood rushing out of my body. Like I think my spirit left and went somewhere <laughs> else. And it was hanging out around the O of the Vols, tying up at the back of it the. Was, it, was it went swimming with else. the goalpost. <laughs> it went somewhere else, but like. But those are the moments that, as, as fans, yeah. those are the moments that we live for. Those are the moments that keep us coming back year after year. But The fade for me, the, the Hail Mary against Georgia. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Between the hedges yeah. in 2016. Yeah, no, I feel like it's a there's a good chance for an upset. I, I don't want one. Oh, yeah. Right, but no, of I, course. I feel like the potential yeah. is there. And who knows? It could be South Carolina. It could be UT. They made a strong comeback last year. Well, the I thing I was impressed with how they played, and for me to say that, mm-hmm. like that, I definitely have a feeling that it has more of the potential to be UT than South Carolina, just because of when the game takes place. Yeah, um, we've got the early game, which, by all indications, of course, Georgia should win this game. Stranger things can happen, and I will be absolutely elated if they do. Um, but but it's it's a situation to where by the time that y'all get to the game in November, it will be a situation to where y'all have had plenty of time to to get everything dialed in by that time, and it could be. And reasonably to understand that it could be the the deciding factor for the SEC East at that point, who's going to wind up going to Atlanta. 
Yeah. Uh, because afterwards, I mean, you literally just have your in-state rivals, Vandy yeah. and, and what would be Georgia Tech, Yeah. Uh, after that one. So, I mean, that literally will decide Jeez. potentially at that point in time who's going to be facing whomever the West uh, coughs up. Um, <laughs> all indications are pointing toward Bama, especially uh, after LSU got handled by FSU. Um, but of course, that was a number five versus number eight, and yeah. then Alabama played by some high school team. Yeah, yeah that's you know. So I mean, it's it's yeah. They played ETSU. Yeah, ETSU. Yeah, yeah. put the Bucks. They they played the the Tennessee team that they've been able to beat in the last three hundred sixty five yes. days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The last Tennessee team they played. They did not beat. They did not beat before that. In the last 365 days. For the, yes, <laughs> we have to make sure that and put that in there for the last 365 days. Well, guys, again, uh, on behalf of Mallory as a dog fan, uh, Tyler as a volunteer, and me, Brian, as the Gamecock, we're going to bid adieu to all you cock and balls until the next episode. Guys, take it easy. Make sure to mix in a water during these games it's gotten to be that time of season um and we want you to make sure and come back around and 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 listen to us for weeks and years to come uh but like i said on behalf of everybody thanks for listening to another episode of the cocky top podcast